<laughs> Hello, freaks. It is I, James Dr. Rude Ramos, and you are listening to the Fan Freaks Podcast. You're listening to the show where we freak out about our favorite movies, games, comics, and any media in between. Like I said, I'm Dr. Rude, and today, continuing the D&D takeover, uh, I've brought back my uh, one of my favorite uh, D&D compatriots. It is Crows of the Dam. Say hi, Chris. Hey, freaks. How's it going? All my beautiful people. It's great to have you here, and it's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me to this very, very special episode because I we have like a, a huge, huge individual um, for those of on you here know, with us. I, yeah. uh, I forever take an effort in uh, combating the aging process by pretending uh, that I'm still cool. Uh, and on on D and D TikTok, one of my favorite creators. Uh, they make music. They're a dungeon master. They're a Twitch streamer. They are the devious DM of TikTok. It is Scarlet. Say hi to the freak, Scarlet. Hello, freaks. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. We are extremely excited to have you here. I am. I'm so excited to be here and and freak and geek out about yes. some of our favorite pastimes. Hell yeah. Uh, we are going to get into uh, the main topic of the show a little bit later. This week, we're doing a question of the week. What makes a good DM? But before we get into that, let's get into some recents. Chris, why don't you start us off? All right. So for me recently, um, I haven't been doing too much, except for I did play a new video game. Well, it's new to me. Uh, actually, you talked about it on the podcast before, James, in Sound Mind. Yes! Uh, Dude, oh my god, the mirror, I like, the level with the mirrors, I, I had to put the controller down and walk away for a few minutes. I was like, my, my, the hairs on the back of my neck were Wait, just... What is this? So is this it, like a, a scary... In Sound Mine is a, is a, a survival horror game, <gasps> but it's very different than anything, than any, like, it takes a very, like, artistic approach to, like, its visuals... So like it's scary, but it's also really pretty. Ooh. Oh, very. And very. like, and also like, so the story you play a psychiatrist or a psychologist rather, and the levels are you going into your patients' minds to like, and like experiencing their psychosis firsthand, kind of. What? It's really cool in sound mind. I and, check yes. it out. So you were saying, Chris, go ahead. Oh, it, it's such a great game. I it was scaring the hell out of me dealing with with the the ghost that's in the the supermarket mm -hmm. that goes around. You have a a piece of broken glass, and that's your only defense against her. You have to. Oh, you see her running right at you. Turn around and lift the mirror up. That is your only defense. You have to turn your back to her and show her her own reflection. Yeah. It is freaky as hell. Um, other than that, recent, I, I've, I'm, um, as you guys know, I'm a Twitch streamer, um, Crows of the Dam on Twitch. I stream Dungeons and Dragons, and I use a program for my maps called Tailspire. And now, just recently, Tailspire. <laughs> um, yeah, you use Tailspire too. Tailspire. I've never used it in a game, but I fucking play in that. I'm like, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Okay. You can go. Well, dude, Listen, tell, tell her what you told me because this is so fucking cool. 
they added a Hero Forge extension. Sorry. So you, um, <laughs> <laughs> do not be sorry. Any D and D player. I just did the upside down cockroach. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Um, I actually, uh, you know what? I, I'm gonna go ahead and do a uh, a screen share for you right there. Um, oh, we're doing this now. Okay. Yeah, cool. I'm gonna go ahead and do it now. Uh, Can I just yeah. Say, I was streaming. And I had just discovered Tailspire and it was late at night. I was wrapping up my normal thing. And then I brought up that I learned this and I literally was like, I got to show you guys this game. And I like pulled it up and I was like, okay, look at this. Yes. Yeah. It's great. I've got my in the Hero Forge tokens in there and everything. Um, yeah, no, it, it's I've just been having a lot of fun. They this group is amazing because I'm on their on their discord and I, I follow all their stuff. Um, they are, I think in the last two days, they've had like five updates <gasps> on ever since they added this because they are, oh, you're having problems. Let us know. We're going to get troubleshooting right away. They're very reactive to all the really? problems. Cause yeah, when they added the new extension, there was huge, huge problems. I couldn't even build. Like trying to build was impossible. The the assets would, as soon as you hit control and you try to move the asset up and down, it gets flung right away, way off screen. They had that down in hours. They took care of it in hours. Love that. Wow. Um, so that's that's pretty much my recent. Um, other than that, I too also saw the Batman. Love it, man. I was so oh, that was I, I, I'm not. Good, huh? So, Scarlet, go ahead and let's let's just segue into your recents because you also recently watched uh, the Batman. I watched the Batman. We waited for it to be streaming because mm-hmm. it's a long movie, and we wanted to get cozy on the couch. Um, yeah, I thought that it was very a, a different vibe than yeah, a lot huh? of the, the um, superhero movies that have been coming out lately, and I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated that. I thought it was interesting how they really focused on Batman and very, very little Bruce Wayne. Yes. Barely see him as Bruce Wayne. I thought that was very interesting. Um, he's, he was a little emo, but, you know, it's his origin. It's like he, you, they kind of established right away he's only been the Batman for about two years at this yeah. point. So not very experienced, still young, still very traumatized. Um, and what I liked about it was, first of all, that's the first time the Riddler has ever been scary to me. So I, I, I've talked about this on the podcast already. That's why I kind of wish they didn't use the Riddler. You like him being goofy? No, I just don't think he works in a live action movie. I don't think it should have been the Riddler at all. Who should have it been? Well, so this, uh, this is based on, on the, on the comic book, the long Halloween. Okay. And in the long Halloween, uh, there, I mean, there's right there, there's so many, it could have been, and I know it's a minor character, but Calendar Man, uh, which I know is a stupid name, but so many, I agree, (laughs) but look, the Riddler isn't much better. (laughs) Um, Riddle me this, Batman. (laughs) I do think that Riddle me this is a Mm -hmm. little bit more eloquent than Calendar me this. (laughs) (laughs) But my point is, is that. So I I have this problem. Like I'm not the kind of guy who is like comic book movies need to be one to one to their source material. No, I'm I'm not like no. that. But I do think that the spirit of the characters needs to be the same. 
or that need to at least embody that that character. And this character is so different from his comic book counterpart that it's not the Riddler at all. Yeah, he wasn't campy at all. Um, he did use riddles, though. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, he but, did use riddles. I thought it was weird that Batman solved them all on his first try. Like, well, Batman is really good at riddles, guys. Well, it's the He's first really- time that we see Batman be a detective in a freaking movie. And that oh, was... So yes. I actually think young people might not like this Batman movie very much. But me, as a, an elderly lady... Elder- I do like- oh no 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 i'm not getting a you're not calling yourself elderly on this show only, <laughs> only because you're my same age so <laughs> uh-huh. um, but i do enjoy heavy dialogue yeah. suspense character i kind of get a little bored when it's too much action for too sure. long especially when it's a cgi fight i kind of check out now if it's an action scene that is actually choreographed and we're looking at some really amazing stunts like a jackie chan scene right. i could watch that all day sure um but like it, marvel movies styled action scenes i literally zone out the adhd in me i just start like kind of thinking about other stuff so i appreciated like the suspense and the darkness and i thought it was interesting because so let's take the most famous batman really quick before over. you continue yeah. sorry just on because there's a segue between that and stunt uh stunts and this movie uh, this isn't a spoiler, but you know the scene where he like activates the bat wings, paraglides, fucks it up, and stumbles. Yeah. Uh, none of that CG. A real stunt guy had to do that fall and that toss. Oh, that's uh, so scary. Yeah, I love that. Uh-huh. Oh, uh huh. That makes so me horrified. Stunt stunt men are the unsung heroes of action cinema, uh, mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons why. Like that's. You know, some director was like, but can we do this for real? And he had to be like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a, a, a lady friend of mine lost a boyfriend. Ooh. She was an extreme. Uh, she did like uh, skydiving, mm-hmm. base jumping. Um, she did wingsuits like she would, you know, be in commercials. Like that's what she did. And she was part of a group that all did that kind of stuff. And she lost her boyfriend right in front of her eyes that's um, terrifying the, the person who had so the way they do it they do it as like in a line as a group they go through yeah. the tunnels and stuff and apparently there's like a whole communication they need to communicate to the people behind them when a turn is coming and right. when a dip is coming because it's very high speed very dangerous and you need to know what's coming it's like for, it's like formula one race car driving right. you know you, you she thinks that the person ahead of them who had some beef with him or had no didn't intentionally did not communicate um and so she watched her uh boyfriend splat against a wall and die instantly so she gave that up uh but she was pretty traumatized from that so hearing that story alone and just seeing the look on her face has every time i see any kind of wingsuit stuff my stomach just knots up jeez man that's first off if that's true what a garbage person Oh, and like, they can't prove it either. Of course not. You know? I, I feel bad I being really like, so back to boss. the Batman. But, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. No, 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 no. There's nothing wrong with sharing something real. It's yeah, just now I feel, I feel bad like being like, that sucks, but the Batman. Uh, but... <laughs> Okay, so back to my philosophical. Yeah. So what I, what I, 
when I watch movies, I'm really annoying in the fact that I like to break down all the themes and the meanings and the Uh parallels. Um, I do it all the time. I think it annoys my husband because sometimes he just wants to watch a movie (laughs) for the sake of watching a movie. I am the local font of pretension (laughs) on this podcast, so I I know know what that's like, too. (laughs) <laughs> All right. So these are just my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, we normally see the Joker, right? The Joker is the most famous Batman villain. And the reason we so he's such a perfect, it's not, a, he's a perfect villain for Batman because he is his opposite. Sure. Batman is law. Joker is chaos. Mm-hmm. Perfect opposites. They always do really well against each other. Riddler in this version, in this movie, this antagonist is not his opposite, but his extreme. Right. It was literally, and they showed this pretty obviously. Yeah. The Riddler was Batman if he ever crosses the line. Right. And I thought that was a very interesting path to take because you kind of like Batman kept, he was going through a dark. He was kind of dark in that movie. Oh, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of the things he said to Selena Kyle kind of made me want to slap him in the face. <laughs> like oh, when yeah. he was like trying to like, she was like freaking out about her friend and what they did to her friend. He kind of like victim blamed her a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and like Selena was like, shut the fuck up. Like, but I was like, Jesus Christ, Bruce is a dick. Yeah. Like how, what the fuck? So I felt like, and they, I think they did that on purpose. I don't think they were just trying to like have a moment where they were like, hey, look at this. He's just a man and he doesn't understand girl problems. I think they were trying to actually highlight that at this point in time, Bruce was not a full person. He was deeply flawed uh, and traumatized and was looking at crime and people who participate, participate in criminal activities, kind of clumping them all into one category that yeah. needed to be defeated but that's what the Riddler was doing to an extreme. Right. And well, so he was faced with that. And I think that him facing that at the end when he like drops down and like starts helping people out of there was when we're seeing Batman kind of lightening up a little bit and realizing it's not black and white. It is gray. You need to have mercy and you need to have empathy. I, yeah, that moment you were talking about, I, I think that was their moment of them saying, now he's a hero. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I do hope, well, that's a funny word to use, uh, that we're in a future installments of this, that we're finally going to get to see that Batman that has hope. Yeah. Because those scenes of him as Bruce were so depressing. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. kind of, I was like, brush the fucking bangs out of your eyes. Brush <laughs> them out of your eyes, Edward Cullen. You leave. <laughs> You Take leave him, him alone. <laughs> you know, Don't he did look tired. When I saw how tired he looked, I was like, I, I fucking, I empathize with you, man. No, I, get I, it, have man. A, I have an infant. I understand. Gotham City, an infant child, basically the well, same thing. He's not yep. getting any sleep. He's going out and, and uh-huh. his hobby is beating up people at night. Um, but those are always the best Batman stories is when it deals with the fact that he is flawed. He is dealing with trauma. Yeah. Like, when it goes into that, those are some of my favorite Batman stories. And I think that's why mm-hmm. Batman as a superhero is more popular in general than Superman because he is dark and flawed. I, I just mean like as far as like if you ask people who, who do you like better, Batman, Superman, I think more people say Batman than Superman. Okay. Um, I'm not saying one's better than the other. I actually Smallville is one of my favorite shows. Uh, and that version of Superman, I just want to hug him. 
He's so cute. <laughs> we, 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 can, so we, can talk, we can talk about that later. <laughs> On that version of Lois Lane, woof, um, she makes me feel some Erica things. Durant, bro. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. And he, I think the reason why people find Batman so interesting is because he's not a Boy Scout. He is flawed. He's kind of a psychopath that just channels his psychosis towards good, thankfully. But he could very easily be a supervillain. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a whole arc of him. Um, they uh, one of the animated movies. It went on uh, showing that Batman actually had these plans on the computer to take out every single Justice League member. Yeah, oh. but somebody hacked his computer and stole those plans and used it against right. them. Yep. He yes. is a dark person, but he also had a plan in there for how to kill Batman if yes. Batman ever went rogue. Oh, but, well, I guess that just makes up for it. What uh <laughs> anything else that you've uh, consumed that you've watched or seen or heard or listened to? Oh, um what do you guys think of Moon Knight? I'm loving I'm it so loving far. It. Not your thing? No, it is. No, it is. I'm so I'm kind of mad at Marvel right now. Okay. Why? I just think that some of the stuff that they've been putting out has been pretty lackluster and okay. obnoxiously bad. That I felt like I went into Moon Knight with a little bit of a negative bias, and okay. so I'm finding it really hard to like open up and and just enjoy it. So, you, would you say you're recovering from the Eternals? I forgot that movie even existed. <laughs> trash. So wait a minute, because now I'm scared. What is some of the bad stuff that Marvel's been putting out? Okay, I thought that Loki was lame. Okay. And I Fine. love that character. I thought sure. it was lame. I thought the Eternals was lame. I know it's not Marvel, but it's Disney, so it's kind of the same. Um, I thought that Book of Boba Fett was pretty lame. I did okay. like the episodes with the Mandalorian in it, but I just yeah. Thought once that it became plot... Mandalorian season three, it was fine. Yeah, but the <laughs> plot itself was so dumb. I was like, what? What is the plot? What? Okay. What is this? What are you? Huh? What is Boba Fett like? Why is he taking over this hut space? It just huh? <laughs> Um, what else has come out? Oh, I thought that Hawkeye and the other guy, I thought that was kind of boring. The Hawkeye and um, then Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Yeah, I just, oh yeah, 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 that's what I was, oh, Hawkeye I thought was kind of, uh, okay. um, it wasn't bad, I just was bored. Okay. It just, I, I, maybe it was just aimed for a younger crowd, I don't know, I just haven't been like obsessed with anything in a long time. I'm trying to remember the last time I was obsessed over a TV show. I, I liked Mandalorian season one. Season two was super fan servicey to a point that I was getting a little irritated, but I was okay. just like, whatever. Um, I was really worried you were going to start shit talking uh, No Way Home. Uh, Spider Man oh, No Way Home. No Way Home. Let's oh, talk okay. about yeah. it. Let's do it. Okay. Oh, I, you, I will gladly. Oh, I'm always down no, to talk about No Way Home. No Way. Okay. So I loved the spider-man from the toby Maguire days mm -hmm. i don't remember the cringy third one at all the one that everyone Second talks one? about i don't remember i do not Andrew remember Garfield? that i think i saw it once no 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 no. i mean the one with venom where he does like where oh you mean the third oh, yeah. sam raimi yeah, spider-man yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember what happened okay. in that movie it was so long ago um you don't but need I to loved one and two I, I thought those were like the best superhero movies back. I was a kid when they came out, but I love uh -huh. them. Andrew Garfield. I didn't hate them. I don't mm -hmm. remember them anymore because they mm -hmm. didn't really stand out enough, I guess, sure. to do it. But I didn't think he was a bad one. And I liked how they used Gwen Stacy instead of. Now, yeah. this Spider-Man. 
I didn't hate him, but just the way they introduced him as a side character in as part of the Avengers, I thought was kind of like just a, like I was like, I get it. You got to put him in a movie so you can keep your IP rights so you can now uh, keep making toys, whatever. I get it. it. He feels like a side character. He's so young and kind of like, oh, Mr. Stark. Oh, yeah. Yes. Whatever, sir. Yes, sir. Mr. Stark. Um, <laughs> yes. So. Mr. Stark. You and uh, and the dude, one of the usual podcast hosts for this show, uh, uh, would get along swimmingly on that point. The okay, whole him so, being yeah, Iron I Man was, Jr. Yeah, Iron Man Jr. The first movie, I actually, I love Michael Keaton. He's my favorite Batman. Um, yes! So <laughs> he is. He's so hot. It is the um, best. Uh, uh, Batman 1989 is the best Batman movie uh, in my right? opinion. Are. Okay, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. That was number two. Is number literally two. the character, the personality that I channel <laughs> when I am a dungeon master. Mm, literally, uh -huh. that's literally. Telling. <laughs> I am going to get her tattooed to my body. She, I love her quotes. I love her personality. As campy as it is, she is just. Mm -hmm. And the way she rocks that whip. Oof. And uh, she, she was like the eighties or nineties, I guess total 90s like feminist at the time mm -hmm. like super powerful like fuck off I, By I, way, I, that, I that scene where she whips the heads off the mannequin that's real yeah i know mm -hmm. it's amazing she was so sexy anyway, sorry off, it, off it's off, okay off topic. um so i liked that um but I still wasn't crazy about Tom Holland as Spider-Man because okay. it was still very much in the world of the Avengers and it just felt like a side story. Okay. Same kind of story with the second one. Mm -hmm. um, I thought him and MJ had no chemistry and I was just cringed. It was just so cringy. But I thought the whole like villain was actually pretty clever, pretty creative. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it wasn't like my favorite. I was just Mysterio. like, eh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought like his whole like what they did, like that mm -hmm. trick and how they like tied it into past things, whatever. Yeah. I go into the third one thinking it's going to be a similar thing, just like gratuitous. Hey, we got the rights to Spider-Man. We got to do a thing. But holy shit. Right. No Way Home. Is my favorite Spider-Man movie, period. I cried. Have like you seen times. Into the Spider-Verse? Yes. That is my second favorite. OK. Movie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> OK, fair enough. <laughs> And swap well, them around them for me, but otherwise we're right there. I just thought that it had tons of fan service, mm -hmm. and yet it was the most tasteful fan service I yep. have ever seen. And the yep. fact that they pulled the other, so I knew the other villains were. And so when I first saw the cast, I was uh -huh. like, "That's weird." The guy that played Doc Ock yeah. back in Spider-Man Two is Doc Ock here. Yeah. Are they combining the IPs? And my husband's like, "No, no, no! It's, it's a new movie." And I'm like, yeah, but it's the same actor. He's like, sometimes they do that. I'm like, no, they don't. No, they, they don't, recast. as a matter of fact. They, they recast. It's How many times do you see the same actor play the same character in two different reboots? You don't see that. Yeah. Um, that's weird. And he didn't believe me. I was like, but then we found out, oh, it's going to be some kind of like multiverse thing. Had no idea the Spider-Mans were going to show up. So when that scene, when Tobey Maguire... No, I guess Garfield, Andrew, Andrew Garfield first, was the first yeah. one. Walk through. my. Uh, we were in the theater. My heart went, <gasps> I was like, no yep. way. Um, I also noticed that uh, Peter and MJ had so much more chemistry. 
They're an actual item now, too. They right? are. And I think, They've though, they lightened up. They, like, forced her in the first two movies to just be a bitch. Mm-hmm. And it I, was annoying. Okay, but I Me. also think part of it is that, you know, she's also getting older, more mature, and having more life experience. Probably. Yeah. Maybe I don't like kids. I, I love my son, <laughs> but maybe I just like snobby-ass kids who are just bad attitude all the time. I did not enjoy MJ in the first two movies at all. Did uh, not like I think her that character. I think they kind of... Uh, MJ is kind of, I don't know this for a fact if this was their intention for the character, but mo- both me and my sister Cheyenne, we kind of agree that MJ uh, is autism coded. That She's kind oh. of written like someone that might be on, on the spectrum. Uh, and, I kind of really, and I kind of really liked her character for some of the things. She, honestly, MJ reminds me a lot of my sister Cheyenne. Uh, <laughs> no, she reminded me of, she Tell reminded me. me of the more popular kids in school who would be really mean to me. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. No, I'm a very upbeat, smiley person. And when people give me attitude for no reason mm. and sarcasm for no reason, I have an immediate adverse effect to them. And I'm like, I don't want to be around you. That's going to come over here. So that's probably why I don't like mean people. Uh, that's fair. I thought she was much more charming in the third one. She actually looked like she liked Peter. In the third <laughs> <one>. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, yeah. So that is my favorite Spider-Man movie. Yeah, ever. I get it. I've talked about it on the on this show already plenty, but in terms of why the fan service works is because this isn't fan service for the sake of fan service. It's fan service done in the interest of being a love letter to three generations of Spider-Man. I called it that same thing. I leaned in. I was like, this is a love letter. And it was respectful. It was respectful fan service. It wasn't changing anything. I hate fan service. So my favorite example of fan service that I hate more than anything in this world is Game of Thrones when they forced Jon Snow and Daenerys into a relationship oh, because yeah. fans had ex- had started making fan art and expressing, oh, it would be so cool if these characters got together. And that was like while Daenerys was still in Essos. I'm like, and I read the book. I was like, why the fuck would they get together? Yep. They don't know. Like what? They These characters are not connected right now we, we in just... any way. You're jumping the gun here. And I felt like they shoved them together because they're like oh the fans want to see them together so let's put them together two good looking and i just was like this sucks there's no yep. chemistry this is so weird we the just don't talk about thing... that last season and a half of game of thrones we just don't talk about it it's <laughs> yeah. like bruno yeah, it's, we don't talk I, about I, it. I hate it i hate it so so much. like so like the only problem i really had with the new spider-man and i know it's weird to see hear anybody say that had any problem All with right, that bye movie, chris for the most <laughs> bye bye uh for the most part it was great but let's just the after credit scene, I, I, I felt uh, just the way like they. I thought that was so funny because it was like, it, oh, <laughs> it is funny, but it broke the rules that was presented to us for what the rules? spell that brought him there. Well, that these were supposed yeah. to be individuals that knew Peter Parker. Uh-huh. Um, so how did Tom Holland? Oh, like, how did- that's a good point. Why was he sucked in there? Because yes. he didn't know that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. That's a good point. Wait, who? Hold on, hold on. I'm, but let's back up. Oh, Venom. Uh, ah, he does Tom, know. Tom Hardy knows Peter <laughs> Parker. Okay, so check it out. Uh, did you? So did Woo. you guys watch Venom? Yes. I okay, but he was teleported. Okay. Anything. Yes, but listen to me. Uh, in the after credit scene for Venom Two, and see, so if you don't mm-hmm. know, you have you didn't oh, see I didn't that. See, I did not see. Venom so 2. that's why you don't know why he knows. Venom is talking to Eddie and he explains that if you knew even a fraction 
of what is kept in the multiversal hive mind of symbiotes, your little tiny brain would explode. Oh, so the oh, I totally knows. missed that. And uh, he specifically so calls it. Knows. He specifically calls it the multiversal hive mind, meaning there the symbiote hive mind crosses multiverses. They so, have that plan. Yep. They so have that plan. exactly. So Eddie obviously <laughs> goes, "Oh yeah, try me." So for a brief moment, he connects him to the hive mind, uh, to the symbiote hive mind, and so he learns what the symbiote from Spider-Man 3 learned, which is that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And in that exact instant, he gets taken in. So That ha- makes... <laughs> you are... T- I totally missed that. Um, my mind just blown, and now my brain is doing these these geek connections because they added some new lore to, the, to Venom yep. uh, a few years back. And that's like... That, to me, connects... To the lore about I can't remember what the character's called, but basically You're the god about that Null? create Yes. Yeah. Yes. So but, now I'm thinking, oh my god, are they gonna do Null? Uh, Null is what it's what's he's one of the newest, like big giant badasses of Marvel Comics right now. He okay. is like the original he's gonna, he's gonna be the next Thanos. I don't know. I hope not. I think it's a little early to I think they need to they yeah. need to chill out from big multiversal threats for a while. What do you mean they're coming out with a multiverse movie, aren't they? I know, I know. I just mean like where the big overarching villain is, you know, some big thing. I I think we need to chill out. It's getting a little out of control. Yeah, I think we need to go back to some more isolated stories. And I think they're going to. I prefer isolated stories. It's, Mm -hmm. It's hard to enjoy Marvel movies. Like The Eternals was hard for me to enjoy. When it's like this happened right after Thanos, like... these characters were never mentioned before Thanos showed up. Like, and, and so what we're talking about this crazy lore with like venom and the multiverse and all that, I like it because there is a continuity with the lore. Mm -hmm. And I am a huge fan of that. Yes. I get irritated when they break their own continuity. Right. Like the whole, um, like the last Jedi crap where they like she defeats everybody by hyperspacing into her enemy ship like that broke a lot of continuity of the of the star wars lore and it was like uh wait you could you can do that you can just hyper hyper warp warp speed into into ships and break them why haven't you been doing that for the last ten thousand years of star wars uh combat because it breaks both ships (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you could just make a little ship that is piloted by droids sure and there you go it, it just it, it, it's frustrating it's like stay in the confines it's like being a dungeon master you know you gotta stay within the rules oh uh, so you know and we're not gonna dwell on star wars yeah. right now but there is one thing that really bothered me about that about that scene and that's it both of those ships are supposedly moving at max speed right and then they're worried the rebels are worried that if they run out of fuel the other ship is going to keep is going to catch up to them. Mm-hmm. If both those ships are moving at max at max speed, and suddenly one ship runs out of fuel, that ship is going to continue moving at max speed because there is no there's it's, it's, they're in space. There's no friction, no inertia. There's nothing to stop it. Oh, that's yeah. a good po- yeah yeah. It was that just, other you know, ship what? would have never they, caught up ever. They <laughs> they wanted some beautiful scenes. I know because it was beautiful. They wanted to share a message, but I don't know. They just didn't have like a space consultant. A space consultant. Because movie. Because movie. They wanted to do some Leia Mary Poppins, man. 
Uh, yeah, like, but like I said, we, 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 the, the Star Wars, that's a topic for that's another episode. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and uh, it's mine is easy because I've actually been pretty much away from screens recently. Uh, I took uh, myself and Mischievous. We went to New York City and uh, I got to see my as, as big of a musical fan as I am. I've never actually been to Broadway, seen anything on Broadway. Uh, and I finally got to see a Broadway show in New York City. I saw Beetlejuice the musical. Uh, and it is fucking amazing. Musicals are amazing. Yes, they really are. hundred percent. Fuck you, dude. Uh, that's our, our our other podcast host. He uh, he <laughs> tends to not be a big fan of musicals. Uh, no, uh, it, they are amazing. And this one was particularly good. The set design for this musical blew me away. It was so freaking cool. And they really harnessed the Tim Burtoniness of it all. It was great. <sighs> Please tell me they had Danny Elfman do the music. They did not. But, but, but. They still they still use a lot of the Danny Elfman cues. It's that okay. they're channeling Danny Elfman in it. But okay. no, Danny Elfman himself did not do the music for this. Look, you can't do Tim Burton without Danny Elfman. But to be fair, this or is also a, a different Beetlejuice. Like the story is a little different. They had they had to make some changes. And they also and I thought this was yeah. interesting because Beetlejuice from like the movie is a villain. Right. Straight bad guy. Meanwhile, oh, he's a Be- dick. Yeah. Beetlejuice in the animated series is a good guy. So they kind of split the difference here. Uh, and I the way this existed. it's amazing. Uh, and oh, the yeah. way that it kind of ends is kind of in the middle. And I really liked the way they did it. Uh, also, it's really cool. The guy who plays Beetlejuice is uh, fantastic. Uh, he's so the joke. Uh, he gets to improv most of the jokes uh, that he's that he does. So the show is a little different every time you go watch it. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, Wait, it, it's like literal improv, not like planned. No, like he comes improv. up with jokes on the fly all the time. He's on TikTok and he talks about it all the time. No shit. Yeah. Uh, it's impressive. Yeah, he's he's incredible. Super funny. Uh, highly, highly recommend. His name's Alex Brightman, by the way. You can find him on TikTok. He is great. The show is, is great. Is he related to Sarah Brightman? No. Uh, but I do highly recommend, uh, if you, if you're ever in New York, go watch it. Uh, he's also does a few guest spots on one of my favorite animated series, which is on YouTube called hell of a boss. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it also highly recommend, uh, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and blast through the news so that we can go ahead and get to the meat of the show. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start us off. Uh, first and foremost, uh, uh, this is really cool to me. Sam Raimi has actually officially talked about why, uh, Spider-Man four never happened. Uh, he said, I thought I had, uh, uh, we, we had a thing we had a script years ago and we were actively working in pre-production. It became a thing where there was a deadline and I didn't want to make something that was less than great. So basically more studio involvement and he decided to, to cut the cord. However, he does go on to say, I thought I had compromised a bit on Spider-Man 3 and I wanted to really pay the audience back on Spider-Man 4 and make the best Spider-Man of all. And I couldn't get the script together in the amount of time. So I told Sony, I think it's best if you go ahead with your planned alternate Spider-Man storyline because I don't want to let the audience down. And then he went on to say, I don't think it's possible, but after jumping back in with the multiverse, I realize that anything is possible now, so I'm completely open to it. That's in response to a question of making Spider-Man 4 now. 
So what? he's on board for it, which is really cool. So you're talking about Toby McGuire, yes. Spider-Man Four. Yeah. Meaning Sam Raimi is down to come back and make a fourth Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire. Awesome. And hopefully with another Bruce Campbell cameo. Of course. <laughs> of course it'll have a Bruce Campbell cameo. Right. Um, and this kind of bums me out because we were just talking about how great No Way Home is. And the director of No Way Home, John Watts, he was set to direct uh, the MCU's version of the Fantastic Four. But he just exited that project. Uh, we don't know why, but that's kind of a huge bummer and kind of a red flag for the future of the of the first family uh, in the MCU because like the Fantastic Four like are a big part of the comic books and we've kind of been waiting for them to be in the MCU for a while and this doesn't bode well for them. They've had the Fantastic Four as far as like cinema goes has had it rough. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Putting it nicely. I'm not yeah. sure why it doesn't seem like that complex of a, of a concept and it, yet they keep dropping the ball uh-huh and they dropped the ball hard uh they just I, can't I, get away from like the camp yeah like too campy yeah uh and then this is the last bit of news i'm going to talk about uh and i hate to end on a bummer but you know uh what what are we good at if not timing um neil <laughs> adams who is the co-creator of like john stewart uh green lantern and raz al ghul a uh, prolific comic book uh comic book creator uh, he passed away recently at 80 years old. But again, he had a nice full life and he gave us so much awesome shit. Uh, so I just want to say, uh, you know, rest in peace, man. And uh, thank you for all the awesomeness you've brought us, Neil, uh, Mr. Adams. You are uh, you're, you're one of the greats. Uh, and that is all I have. Chris, do you have anything? For news? Uh, yeah, it's just um, uh, just. Some projects that I'm really excited for, uh, a remake of the Firestarter, which is a movie based off of, uh, I believe it was a Stephen King novel. Um, so I'm really excited to see see the remake. I just saw a trailer for it. Rude, I know you absolutely hate watching trailers. Correct. Uh, but uh, you know what? Um, it's what gets me pumped. It's what keeps me going. Uh, so yeah, I watched the trailer for that. Really excited about that. Uh, another foreign horror film that came out called the hatching, which, uh, is kind of like a body horror creature feature and we don't get enough really good creature features, um, anymore. So I, I just a couple of projects I'm really uh, excited about and we're, it looks like they are going to be doing the Hellraiser remake as well. Um, we do have a, uh, a cast going now. That's not to say that the, you know, it isn't going to end up in film purgatory as uh -huh. a lot of movies do, but it, it, this, this one's looking promising. This one's looking promising. I hope they, they actually release it. We're getting a female hell priest. Um, nice. so yes. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Scarlet, do you have any news for us? Uh, you know, I get all my news from you guys. So thank you for that. Fair enough. Uh, so <laughs> with that being said, we're going to go ahead and take a brief break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to get into the main show topic of what makes a good DM. See you in a moment, freaks. Hello, everyone. This is Bone King. And you're listening to the Fan Freaks podcast hosted proudly on the Fan Freaks Facebook group. That's F-A-N-F-R-E-E-K-S Fan Freaks. And welcome back, freaks. So, 
uh, we're not going to go ahead and get into the main meat of our episode. We are doing our question of the week. What makes a good DM? Because all three of us, we've all been Dungeon Masters. And I'm sure we've all played and we've all seen our fair share of bad DMing. (laughs) As a matter of fact, I want to share this now because this is actually the very first video I ever interacted with yours on TikTok was actually about a very bad DM that I had recently had. And you immediately commented, what the fuck is the point of DMing if you're going to be like that? And it was like, yeah, no, this she gets it. She understands. For context, it was a dude. I, I was playing a rogue in this guy's party, and he was upset in this guy's game. And he was upset that I had unmurder hoboed his players. Because up until I got there, they were very murder hobo-y and were just playing through like sla- like hack and slash. And I unmurder hoboed them. And he was very annoyed by that. You could tell. And so then he we was annoyed pl- by that? Oh yeah. Super duper. And then we played this uh we it was uh it was actually uh Waterdeep Dragon Heist. And we were getting to one of the final bosses. I rogue rolled high initiative. I was in there. I was first turn when uh, when he it was his turn after mine. He goes, okay, I'm going to attack the only person who's damaged me so far. And on turn one, power word kills my character. (laughs) And then head for that character to have power word kill or did he just decide the character does have power word kill in the module? Okay. But turn one, and then he lets the new character, the new player in our campaign, uh, turn undead on my body, which meant that I couldn't be resurrected short of a revivify spell. What? I just, I, I'm very, like, I thought DMs didn't like Murder Hobo, so you found the DM that likes Murder Hobos? Yeah. Yeah. And why would he want to take you out of the fight so fast that's just i would feel bad like so on that topic (laughs) let's start there dms who maybe want to play god versus uh versus participate in a collaborative storytelling experience that makes no sense to me because even if you are participating in a collaborative story sense you're still god Sure. Honestly. So I don't know why you have to be a dick about it. (laughs) That's the problem, though. You're absolutely right. You are still the god of this universe. But it's that. It's it's when it's a power trip versus, like, an exercise in, like, storytelling. You know what I mean? It's like they pick one side of of godhood. Like, they they pick the devil instead of being (laughs) both the devil and god. Right. You know, mm-hmm. or whatever your, you know, whatever religion you want to use as a representation. Uh, it's just like that's that's what it seems like to me is like they forget that it's like you said, it's collaborative storytelling. It's it's not PVP. If you wanted PVP, then load up a video. I mean, if you even let's pretend you did want to do like a player versus DM. A lot of people really don't like that. But let's pretend that's kind of the angle you wanted to take. As the DM, you can pull anything out. of. You can literally make shit up as you go. So wouldn't it be more fun to play by the rules and play fair? Even if you're going for him, going for the throat, shouldn't you still give him a chance? So it's at least interesting. You know, that's true, too. 
Yeah, you're a DM, so like, really, if you think about it, if you don't like what a player's doing, you'd be like, and the ceiling lifted up, and you saw this big hand, and it came down and squished your character. Yeah, like, uh, be like, and suddenly Tiamat appears. Like, you can literally <laughs> pull any monster stat block that you want. So, how is that fun? Like, if you quote unquote win, did you really yeah. win? Because you literally make the rules. You can't exactly. win a game that you invented. Like, that's not yeah. and here comes Vecna with a Trask on a leash. Yeah. Roll initiative. <laughs> yeah, you, you know that's a, that's a really good line though. You can't win a game when you make the rules. That's not that's not possible. Yeah, <laughs> unless you made the rules ahead of time, kept them static, sure. and then and the players understand those rules, and then you come together and consensually participate within this structure that you created. But if you're changing it as you go and they also cannot change it as they go, then I literally don't see the point. That just sounds like you're emotionally abusing people Yeah, for fun. Yep. And, and, and uh, on that note of like when it's okay to, you know, to play God and move things, I don't know if my players are going to find out, but the last campaign that I DM'd, I kind of stopped keeping track of monster HP. Yep. Especially with big monsters, like especially with bosses, Mm -hmm. I just kind of, yeah, no, they're not dead yet. (laughs) You know when they die? When my players stop having fun. That's when when they die. I I, I totally agree with that, bud. I've seen that philosophy before. I have actually used that philosophy philosophy before. Um, What I would normally do is if I, especially when I was a newer DM and I homebrewed a lot, but I didn't know how to balance very well, I would basically just make... An encounter lasts two to three rounds. And then once we passed that two to three round threshold, I would start letting them wrap things up. Mm. Um, Again, right now I'm doing an official module. So and I'm using a very, very good VTT that tracks everything very easily for me. Takes all of like the annoying crunching work for me. So I've been sticking to monster health bars. Um. The issue I've been running into with that, though, is I have a very big party. There are eight players. So their damage output is insane. Oh, yeah. And I have to I can do two things to make the fights fun for them. I can either double the amount of monsters because this module is balanced for four players. I can double the amount of monsters, which just makes things take forever. Uh, And no, we're, we're streaming it. It gets boring. Uh, or I can pick higher CR monsters that have more hit points, which can be troublesome because those higher CR monsters also hit real hard, really hard. So balancing that has been tricky. Uh, I guess what I could always do is just double the HP and keep the monsters the same. Uh, it's something I experiment with every time I play a game. Mm. Oh, well, so, Out of the Abyss yeah. is a great one, too, just because it provides you so many NPCs to get your care, your players attached to that you can then kill. <laughs> this happened. I, I tried to get rid of one. I was trying to cut them down. Uh, they had just escaped Divagorgon. Uh-huh. They were swimming away on a little raft, and I was rolling dice to see which NPCs made it out. And I was like, this Oh, is the whirlpool. <laughs> No, 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 no. This was not oh. the Whirlpool. This was a, a two episodes before the Whirlpool. That oh, okay. Um, we did a head count. We have a, a, a set of twin deep gnomes. Mm-hmm. I 
their their age is not specified. I play them as children. I I, I also played them as very young when yeah, I did mine. Very young, child. Do your players like do, do your players know everything about them already? They cured. Wait, can I can I give spoilers on this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. For that, it's okay. fine. So they cured they, their. They cured their lycanthropy. Oh. They cured their lycanthropy over another player who had been infected by them. During their, <laughs> they chose these children over the player who, and they the the, the player knew because they were sitting there, but the character didn't know. Yeah, and did not want to be a lycanthrope because they were a worshiper of Illustrie, who does not like lycanthropes, goddess mm-hmm. of the moon, drow, good god, whatever. They chose to cure because I said you have enough dose to cure for one or the other. The twins, you have to choose. Because I was thinking they're gonna let's just keep them lycanthropes. It it makes sense later in the campaign in the story. Yeah. Nope, they cured those little kids. So now they are um the shrooms the shroom scouts, the sprout scouts. Oh. They, they made a little girl scout, uh, a little That's cub scout group. Adorable. Yeah. They're, they're, the stool topsy turvy and our fairy are all now the sprout scouts um oh and what i was going to say was turvy got was one of the npcs that were missing and Uh, one of our npcs who likes them very much literally without just separated the part just flew off looking for him and put themselves in mortal danger to rescue i was in tears the player was in tears the other players were tears it was so emotional i had to go and stay off of the computer for a day just to recover yeah no uh topsy and turvy did not fare that well in my version of out of the abyss what happened topsy died and (gasps) uh turvy went ravenous like rabid in were rat mode and Um... eventually ran off on their own oh that's so depressing yeah Like they got into a scrap with one of the players and eventually like did severe damage and ran off. My players, when they, I I had them turn and attack, my players restrained them and tied them up until they went back to, they would not let them die. I was like, guys, I'm trying to, to (laughs) call the the cast here. Uh Cause there's so many fucking, okay. We're, we're, we're getting we're getting off topic. Getting but that's that is a sign though. That is a sign though of a good DM. That you you had a plan for those characters and your your players had through roles, through uh role playing, they have changed that scenario and you rolled with those punches. That's a sign you of a good deal. You have to. You mm-hmm. have to. In fact, I would say any advice I give, because I, I made this mistake and now I don't do this anymore. I used to come up with hard story beats. And now I don't do that anymore. Instead, I plan locations, events that happen on a timer and my NPCs. Now I just have every NPC has an agenda. They have their own traits, um, ideals, bonds, flaws. And I role play with them with those traits in mind. And I make decisions based on the interactions that the players have with them with what is their agenda? What are they willing to do for it? What do they like? What do they not like? And and that way I can be as flexible as possible. D&D, more so even than a lot of other TTRPG systems out there, is not for on-the-rails storytelling. Mm -mm. It's really not. And people who aren't prepared for their players to just take their plan and toss it right in the fucking trash, it's going to be difficult for you. 
it and i think every dm starts that way and then you just learn you just realize i wasted so much time writing this story that i'm just going to like kind of take my hands off the wheel create an environment create um and then let's say like you will you know you can't you can't make a map for everything right that takes a lot of your fucking time yeah be honest enough with your players that if they do take this completely in a direction you were not expecting i just straight up tell them look i did not prepare anything for that so if that's what you want to do we need to kill some time now and then next week i can come with to you with something that is properly prepared because i don't have anything for you sorry yeah Mm. and that's okay let's that's another topic well really quick before we get into that topic because the next topic i want to get into is actually having an open discussion with your players session zero session zero no and continue discussions throughout but we have a session zero every week in between game i have a discord with an open discussion and we are all of us are active in it all week long yeah but yeah just to add on to yours i highly recommend cultivating a tool set that allows you to improvise in your campaigns. Don John can make a an instant dungeon for you. You can even make the monsters and treasure for you if you want. Uh, I've got Dungeon Alchemist, which is a new like 3D generated map generator that is yeah. AI based. So you can't you can't do a lot of customizations like a lot, but you can literally just go, hey, uh, I need a tavern. Let me draw some squares. These are the rooms, and it automatically populates the tavern for you with lighting and everything else. And um, then you're gonna have to send me that link. I will. <laughs> and then this is my favorite book that I own. It is the Game Master's book of non-playable characters. It is literally mm. just filled with a bunch of of different types of NPCs. They're categorized. Some of them are just ins are like in the people who run the inn or townsfolk or whatever. Some of them are like straight up fully fleshed out like NPCs with That's like cool. with art and shit and full backstories. It's incredible. I love this book. The Game Master's book of non-playable characters. Hashtag not sponsored. Um I was going to say, I hope you're getting paid a lot of money. I'm about to buy that book. Jesus. I truly, truly love this book. It is so cool because I can literally just be like, uh, you like, yeah, you guys want to talk to this innkeeper that I totally designed as a fully fleshed out NPC? Yeah. His name is, you know, and find him in here. Yeah. That's those moments. Uh, I think I need myself a copy. Definitely. Like, but that's what I'm saying. Cultivate a tool set that allows you to kind of sit back and watch what your players do with what you've created because mm-hmm. that's part of the fun right it's like not to compare mm-hmm. you know fully sentient human people to ants but it's kind of an ant farm and it's kind of yep. fun to just watch them do something with the with the environment that you've put them in absolutely i will not speak for huge chunks of time while my players do amazing things mm-hmm. and only i recently cuz we would run out of time i had to start forcefully pushing things along sure kind of get us through the content and i kind of hate doing it sometimes because they're, they're having an amazing bit and i just want to just lean back and be like this is this is great yep um 
sometimes they do kind of go and like talk themselves into circles for the sake of a joke. And it's hilarious. But it's like, okay, as this is happening, you hear coming out of the corner, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing when you're you're a Twitch streamer for D&D, you can't just be like it, it can't be a, a at home game. You know, no. it has it has to be different. It has to be like a series. It is um, absolutely different when you stream it to a live audience. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's that that's, you know, the, the one of the big things about being a good DM is understanding the needs of your players and then in the modern landscape of DMing, let's be real here, there's no there hasn't been the, a bigger boon for D&D in particular than Twitch streaming. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, look. What there, anyone who denies this is silly in my opinion. There is no denying what critical role has done for the D&D community yes. or for the game as a whole. Oh uh, yeah. And that's solely because of Twitch. Uh, so it's an in at this point, Twitch and Twitch streaming is an integral part of this hobby. Yeah. And not to say really you is. couldn't just like record them, edit them and put them on YouTube. Sure. I don't know how p- if people search for live uh, playthroughs on YouTube or not. I mean, you're going to find out, though, right? You, you got something set up in the works. We do like shameless plugs here. Oh, I am posting my live playthroughs onto YouTube on my brand new YouTube channel. It's brand new. So I need your subscribe subscriptions. It's called the Scarlet DM. And I've already got three episodes up there. I also post all my little TikToks on there just to because YouTube is trying to rip TikTok off. Yeah, I guess. YouTube shorts. Um, yeah, so I do post those shorts, but I have been, uh, they're highly edited to make them as enjoyable to watch as possible. I know sitting down and watching a four to six hour episode of just all of the bullshit might not be <laughs> as fun as just seeing all the good parts strung together. Uh, so I've been doing my best to make it entertaining and interesting and you'll have a chance to see all the maps I made for it and all the music I wrote for it and all the cool art and the role play and the cosplay. It, it's really, I have an amazing cast. They, they, they put in so much effort. It's flattering. Yeah. I, I, mean, I noticed the, the one cast member with all the, the blue makeup, the, I think she's a dragonborn, isn't she? Or yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, that was so cool. I, I really love the enthusiasm. So you, you heard it here. Freaks. <laughs> Go and check out her YouTube. Uh, My man is I so good to. with the plugs. I love it. <laughs> um, I to, yeah, I had to. Uh, but, but again, it's it's that it's it's understanding the needs of everyone else involved with the game. Yeah, which goes back to like you said that session zero or like you have that open discussion because like as an early DM, the worst one of the worst feelings I've ever felt in this game was having a player leave my table because they were uncomfortable. And I did not give them, I, and this is all completely my fault, I had not given them the comfort they needed to feel like they could tell me that they were uncomfortable. And that has stuck with me. And keep in mind, this was over a decade ago. And it's still like, I hate that that happened, but it's one of the biggest learning experiences I've ever had. I'm sorry to hear that, man. That, yeah, like I, I don't want to tell the story because it is pretty recent and just to respect the parties involved. But I 
kind of had to deal with something like that mm. recently where I had to um, take care of some stuff. Sure. Uh, and it was very hard for me because I'm very uh, non-confrontational. But I was yeah. like, I signed up for this. It's my job to make sure that everybody is comfortable and that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one yeah. kind of yeah. deal. Um, but that is why we like lately they've been coming out with these consent forms. When you join a game that is going to be streamed and I think it should be for any game. Uh, I think they're wonderful. There's basically a consent form. It basically covers any theme that may appear in the game, whether yep. it appears or not. It's just every theme possible from everything from violence to spicy stuff to just anything that could be con like, um, anything, any issue. Yeah. And then there's like a little checkbox. Am I comfortable with this? Am I not sure? So bring it up with me before you spring it on me or no hard. No, hard. I do not want this topic in my game at all ever. And, uh, these consent forms are really helpful for a DM because then you can just make sure that everybody is comfortable with the themes and you can make sure that another player doesn't cross the line. I really like the idea of that. Actually. I usually just do it verbally. Um, like I, I usually have like my, my disclaimer, um, every player, just about every player recently that I've had has gone through the disclaimer. I do not allow this. If you bring this to my table, you will have to leave the table, blah, blah, blah. Um, but uh, I like the idea of actually having it written out. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to have to look for a, I could send you the one that I use. It's pretty, yeah, it, cool. it goes it deep dives. It's like very, very specific, like oh. under one of the categories, it was like, Harm to animals, harm to children, psychological terror, physical terror, torture, you know, like death on screen, death off screen, um, essay, uh, flirt. Like it's like very, very specific. So that way you can kind of make sure you know, like, hey, mm. these these players really, really don't want to see the dog die. Um, so let's just avoid showing yeah, I'm the, sure James big, can appreciate that, right, the James? The BBEG killing the puppy on screen. We don't, we don't need that. No, yeah. no. <laughs> and, but that, that is again, that is an exercise in like understanding your players, because mm -hmm. the reality is that you are, you are in charge of the experience of several other people. Yeah, and they are depending on you to craft this experience for them, and. If you go, it's one thing to, either way, if you ignore, if you are ignorant of their sensitivities, or if you ignore them altogether, either way, you are violating a trust that they had put in you. Exactly. And I understand wanting to get an emotional reaction from your players, because those are some of the best moments that we get in D&D. &D. But that should never be done at the sacrifice of your player's comfort. It, it needs to be consensual, because you do not have a right to anybody's emotional response. Yep. You are you are not a therapist. You're not their therapist. Yep. You do not get to emotionally traumatize someone for your own satisfaction. It has Ooh. to be consensual. Ooh, that was good. You do not have mm -hmm. a right to anyone's emotional response. That is such a good like succinct. We're getting really good lines that. out of this. <laughs> but, uh, I have a notebook over here. I was just waiting for this opportunity to read. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, and she's prepared. Uh, <laughs> Love it. <laughs> but on that note, uh, respect of time goes both ways. Mm -hmm. And if you expect, because I do expect my players to come to my games prepared. Mm -hmm. uh, but mm -hmm. 
vice versa, I need to make sure I'm prepared for them. Absolutely. And it's not not I'm not saying that like every game I have to have fully detailed maps with like the perfect sound. No. But they at least need to know. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> not every game. Again, sometimes when, it's what you said. Sometimes when my players go well off the rails, there's those times where just I don't have it. But I I need to at least they need to at least know that I've put the effort in to not just phone in uh, to phone it in. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if you don't want to do the prep, why are you DMing? Exactly. I feel like maybe this isn't true. I have had games where I was kind of dreading the prep time and I probably shouldn't have been DMing those games. But if you are volunteering to DM, it's probably because you're a creative person. You enjoy storytelling. You enjoy making maps and dungeons. You were that kid in school who would draw fantasy maps all the time. <laughs> um, I know I was. So I think that it kind of like if you enjoy being a DM, it's because you enjoy doing these things. And I guess the only thing I can think of that would make you not enjoy it is if your players are not showing an appreciation for the effort which can really take the wind out of your sails if you're putting all this work in and they're just kind of brushing through it and, and not being appreciative. Cause then I, you're like, I've, why am I doing all this? I've honestly had uh, players before and they had to leave my table because they were distracting the entire party because they're like, Hey, check out my, uh, this TikTok video. Look at this on my phone. Uh, Look at this post. Look at that. And then it's like, yo buddy, it's, it, it, it's your turn now. He looks up. It's like, oh, what's happening? Oh, uh, oh, that's so <laughs> I think a good way to help combat that um, is offer your players plenty of little breaks. If you see that they're getting a little antsy. Yeah, I yeah. get it. You get antsy. It's like you're sitting down for a long time. Oh, I think that's, that's uh, when like I notice when my players start to wander, I'm like, Hey guys, do you want a break? Let's do a break real quick. Hey guys, we're going to do an encounter soon. Let's take a 10 minute break. Go, go do some jumping jacks, go get a drink, talk to your chat a little bit. Um, obviously that's not like, not every player is, is going to be respectful even with all of that. But I think like I treat my players like they're my children. Mm -hmm. And I, I tried, I look at quote unquote bad behavior. They're adults like that. This is so condescending, but, um, <laughs> Oh, is that so dummy mommy? <laughs> I, right, I look at it as, okay, they have a need. The behavior is stemming from a need. What is that need? What can I do to fulfill that need so that things can keep going? Yeah. yeah. But, but that, again, I know you, you, you kind of derided as saying that it's, it's, you know, you're, belittling your players or infantizing them or but that's infantilizing infantilizing them. yeah <laughs> uh, but that's kind of what you have to do in terms of like 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 it's, it's like i said you are a shepherd of their time at this moment mm -hmm. so not only do you need to make sure that you are managing the time correctly but that you are aware of even if and look you turn them into children i'm turning them into sheep Maybe someone's that maybe someone's damaging players, the flock. We love you. Yeah. These are yeah, terms of endearment. Yeah. yeah, totally ignore the memes about um, dealing with players it being equivalent to hoarding stray cats. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just ignore that meme altogether. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it's that, and also recognizing that much like any relationship, because DM and players is definitely a relationship. 
Much like yeah. any relationship, you need to recognize that sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes yeah. you're not the DM for them and they're not the player yeah. for you. That's Agreed. true. Uh, that's why you have to vet your players and or DM before the game starts. Mm-hmm. And you have to be aware that if someone realizes that the game is not for them, allow them to step away gracefully yep. and try not to take it personally and try to stay yes. amicable. Yep. hundred percent. And yeah, on I've that, seen on- DMs do the opposite. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Here, here's the thing, though, to be like, we, we can sit here and talk about what makes a good DM and all that. There is no school you graduate from sure. to be allowed to be a DM. And the fact of the matter is literally anybody can and will be a DM. And that does not mean that they have had training with people. It does not mean they are yep. charismatic. And so. It's you're going to run into dms that are don't have the greatest people skills and i still think you should like i don't know cut them a little bit of slack not all yeah you know like like you can expect that you can't you like a a dm there are paid dms but oftentimes the dm is just the person at the table who agreed to do it because no one else was right hi (laughs) (laughs) i did it i pushed myself into that position i was a twitch streamer i was like i'm gonna be a dm i had only been playing dungeons and dragons for like six months um and i was unhappy with waiting around for the other dm to schedule games because it'd be like one game a month and then one like it was crazy so i was like fuck this i'm gonna be the dm i want to play i want to make art and maps and storytelling i want to cosplay and do voices and all that shit so like I was eager to get into it, but some people are just like, you know, they're not Twitch streamers that have practice talking yeah. to a bunch of people. They're a little shy. But I, I, I'm curious to know, and I hope you don't mind me going a little off uh, track because I love asking this for everybody. What I see you rolling your eyes. What, <laughs> when when was your uh, first experience as a DM? Like what what was that that straw that broke the camel's back and got you first into DMing? Into DMing or Dungeons and Dragons? DMing. It doesn't have to be just Dungeons and Dragons. So I, I got into D&D with full intentions of eventually becoming a DM. Okay. So I treated my initial couple campaigns as a player as practice. I always intended on being a DM. Oh, I fantasized all- about being a DM when I was a child, knowing about D&D. But my brother and his friends played and they never invited me because I was just the girl or whatever. Yeah. Um, Never had anyone to play with. Never knew. It wasn't until 2019 that I was like kind of talking about it. I was like, man, someone brought up D&D. And I was like, I always wanted to play that game, man. I've been I've been commissioned to do character art and map art. And I've never no one's ever asked me to play. And I've always wanted to play. I've always wanted to be a dungeon master. And so my chat was like, let's just make a game. We'll do it next week. And someone just volunteered and we just set it up. And it's been every Sunday ever since. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Back on track, guys. Sorry. I always get curious about that. It's 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 fun to hear. <laughs> it's all right. And again, I mean, that's that's something else too, is that you know, you don't have to have a ton of experience in Dungeons and Dragons to be a good DM. Some people have it in them and some people put the work in, but you need to be willing to put the work in to be a good DM. Like you not, I'm not saying you need to be prepared with like a, a massive 
you know, catalog of voices to do. And no, but you need to be prepared to uh, for the responsibility that it take, that it comes with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it is a position of responsibility. Oh, yeah. Great power. Great responsibility. Uh, right? uh, don't don't cater to uh, me, Chris. <laughs> oh. hey hey buddy you're you're talking to somebody who grew up with spider-man okay just the same <laughs> as you did so but, yeah yeah it's uh it, it, it's that and i think that 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 might be the crux of it all is that being a dm is a responsibility and to at least it's a game so you're supposed to have fun with it but to some extent you have to accept that you have to accept that there is a level of responsibility that comes with this role and you're going to get a whole bunch of commenters from the DMs that do zero prep and be like, I run games fine without any prep. And to them, I say, you're fucking awesome. I'm yeah. jealous of your ability yeah. to do that. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. One, of, one of my players runs D&D on their Twitch channel and they do like generated. The whole campaign is generated zero prep. They have a little role. They, all the players are generated. Their characters, Whoa. their items, the map, the hook, the adventure hook, all oh, of that. And cool. they just improv the whole thing. And it is fucking fun. Do you want to go ahead and plug that real quick? Uh, just give us the link. No, man. <laughs> Gnome underscore Anne. Amazing. They do, okay. they do a lot. of, And they play Hemlock on my campaign. Little fairy circle of spores druid who has literally one shot so many enemies Sprout with Scout. their poisoner yeah the leader of the sprout scouts Mm -hmm. Mm um they're currently teaching the sprout scouts how to identify different types of poisonous and toxin toxic plants and and fungi so cute i love it that's that's adorable i love it (laughs) i i want i want to take them up to take it step back for a second and when a player tells you that you're being a bad dm or they're criticizing something you do how do you guys approach that? Well, that's that's going to call for self-reflection. Um, I'll, I'll tell you right now, there I've already had moments like that. It wasn't that I was a bad DM. It was that I was a too gentle DM. And that's that's something that I, I've been working on. Um, I, I, I know I, I just... I write a lot around their backstories. I I always try to. He let my players my... start with the equivalent of a halberd version of Black Razor for the start of the campaign. I also uh, allowed him to attach a chainsaw to the other yeah. end. Of it. <laughs> it, it, you know what a... I do when my players ask for ridiculous things, but I I'm kind of suspicious. They're trying to do a little uh, mm-hmm. run around, and I don't know the power level. I say I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. I just let them do it, and then I deal with. I seriously, I had a hexblade warlock. Are rough though. I oh accidentally my gave my players too many magic items. That makes fights trivial, which means now I have to make the fights harder. Which means now they're in greater danger because of the spiky damage. Because just because their damage <sighs> went up, their health points didn't go up because yep. they're so yeah. So I've actually had to retcon, guys. I gave you guys some items. That I didn't realize they were too strong for your level. We need to we need to peel it back because this I, is going to screw up the campaign moving forward. But I do this off stream. I do this in our Discord. Yeah. I message them in directly. I tell them what I the mistake that I made. I apologize for making the mistake. I assure them I'm not trying to take their fun away. And I say, 
if this is like a path you want to take for your items as you level up, we can make this happen over time. I just accidentally gave it to you too soon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And weapons like the D&D is so the balancing is is really wonky. Uh, to put it nicely, items is terrible. Uh, <laughs> I, I like I told James the last time I did a, it was um, this podcast with him. I had a hexblade warlock with black razor um, as his pack weapon. Um, I've what I allowed James to have. I I've had so I like even the campaign I run now on Twitch. Crows of the Dam at Twitch. Um, they they've got a lot of homebrew features uh characters that shouldn't have the ability to activate flying abilities once per long rest and they got it right you know, i i you give them little things here and sometimes you have to do uh, you know pull it back a little bit i also left a game because the dm was like i want you guys it was a going to be another stream project and he was like i want you guys to be level 20 and i want to ignore attunement slots and he just Whoa. gave us a whole, yeah, that's yeah. terrifying. Um, so, how so many rasks did you kill? Uh, I, I, we didn't get that far. We only did a little bit, and I was like, "This is getting out of hand. I can't even keep track of what my character is able to do on a turn." Uh, I, I, this is just so wonky. We've retconned things three times. And like to the point where he gave somebody access to the wish spell right off the bat. And they're just like, okay, I just, I'm going to create a whole new reality. Here we go. Boom. Uh, it, it was, was messy. messy. I don't think that's how wish works. No, that's not how no. wish works. Yeah. Wish, <laughs> it is isn't, messy. wish isn't just, I invent a new reality. It's like, it just lets you cast another ninth level spell. Uh, the DM mm. can kind of create some stuff in there. Like maybe allow you to get out of a, packed you made with something or yeah. stuff like that but yeah it was it was wild. i let a player have a full uh a full class uh change with wish oh they were they 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 were i think we were 11th level they were an 11th level warlock and their relationship right. with their uh with their uh with their patron had gotten real bad real real toxic and uh yeah, yeah I man. let them fully transition into a paladin. I like that. I would so that's a cool that's a cool use of the wish spell. Or, yeah, I, mean, I feel like you could even do that without a wish spell. You could just say uh, yeah. you you find a way to break your your contract and now you're an oath of fuck you patron paladin. It, be <laughs> it, be it becomes a little weird in terms of like how do you run that as a multi-class or it just gets a little weird in I terms would of completely I would rip all yeah, of yep. those warlock features. I'd be like roll a new character but keep your race and if you picked any feats. Yeah. You yep. like you can look at it like thematically as I, I'm Robin Rick to pay Paul. Uh <laughs> right? Like you know, I go to the one god. Uh, I'm just like, hey, I'll be your paladin. You know, you, you help me out. Uh, well, I help you out. Spread the word. And then you hey, go that to just sounds like a patron, uh, the celestial patron. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was actually the the cleric in the campaign. Uh, she had slowly introduced him to her deity. I see. And actually oh, in a moment where his patron was being particularly abusive. Uh, what her, kind of patron was it? Like what? Uh, the, it, it, this uh, it was a complete homebrew. Uh, homebrew. I can't speak English anymore, guys. Uh, what's it called? Your collection of gods. Your catalog. Pantheon. Of, Pantheon. Pantheon. Thank you, Scarlet. Uh, 
yeah, it was a completely homebrew pantheon. And uh, it was a he was the god of war in this campaign. Okay. But but in this case, the relationship so it was like was a celestial, of, like yeah. a, a celestial. Yeah. But in this case, yeah. the relationship was like between that of a warlock and a patron. And then yeah, 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 yeah. hers was the insert of uh, Athena. So she was a, uh, a cleric. Not oh, Athena. So it was like Ares of, uh, versus Athena. Not, no, oh, it, was, it wasn't, it okay, wasn't okay, Athena. Okay. It, was, it, was, it was the, oh, in, the so insert cool. for Artemis. Sibling rivalry. Yeah. But no, that, there was a whole other thing going on with this version of Athena. Because it, it, it was a Pantheon mashup. So I mm-hmm. had gods that were mashups of existing Pantheon uh, gods yeah. at the time. Uh, but oh, yeah, cool. uh, that campaign also had crazy power creep that i had to deal with later on it's yeah the power creep is really hard and i wish i could speak more like have advice for that but i have only been dming since 2019 so um i haven't really gotten players higher than level five before yeah it's honestly i mean i've run full like to 20 campaigns and mm. the only advice that i have is I, I, you need the Let experience to recognize it. No, it's it, it, you eventually with experience, you recognize sooner and sooner that it's happening and you can course correct before it gets too bad. Okay. But that's it. There's there's unfortunately you're, you're kind of bound to the game system that you're in. And D&D yeah. has always had a problem with power creep. It's not strictly a fifth edition thing. I mean, that's a fantasy RPG video game yeah. thing across the board. Power creep is always like an issue. If you have a vertical character progression, it will happen. Yep. That's why horizontal <laughs> character progression is always really fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm still working on learning that stuff myself because I'm also the kind of DM that allows my players to do role play to get new proficiencies and new feats. Uh, so... <laughs> But that's I, the, I, there's there that, that's not inherently a bad thing, and I know because I'm one of the people that early on gave you the critique that you were too uh, that you were too nice as a DM. Yes. Uh, but that's not an inherently bad thing. You just have to like you have to know when to do that. Yes. You want that's, to know the no, best absolutely. line? This okay? So you were laughing that I just say a hard no because it sounds kind of. Not mean, but it's firm. Uh-huh. If you are too nervous to be say no, and they ask for something ridiculous, this is how you do it. You go, "You're so silly," and then you just move on. Ah, <laughs> uh, I love that. Oh my god. Okay, add it. <laughs> You're so silly. You're so silly, and then you just move on, and not in a rude, condescending way. Like in a like like. Oh come on. Oh, You're quit so messing around. You're, you're so silly. Wow, uh, that's yeah. so well. That's so devious. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be my next devious DM video. What <laughs> asks you something so ridiculous that you want to be nice? You're so silly. So silly. Oh man. But th- but again, even then, that's that's one of those things. that's like it comes down to DM responsibility because it is your responsibility to not let them get away with everything because at the end of the day, they're going to, it's one of those things that they think they're getting their way at first, but they're going to be a few sessions later. Power creep has uh, poisoned the game and they're not having fun anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and at the end of the day, what is the DM, but if not the referee Yeah. and you Mm -hmm. have to, you're the one that keeps the rules together. Like the whole bonus action thing. Uh-huh. They really were pushing. They were trying to like persuade me to allow it. And I'm just kind of smiling like, guys, that's 
the that's not what a bonus action is. You can't invent bonus actions. You can invent a lot of stuff in D and D, lots of stuff that the the dungeon master guide lets you make up. But what a bonus action in is 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 not one of them. Uh, so. Yeah. And, okay, so this this is I'm gonna get a little personal for a second, but this is a very personal pet peeve of mine. Uh, when and and actually, I think Scarlett, you and I can talk about this quite a bit because I think one of your recent uh, TikTok videos was about when a player has a contradicts one of your calls. Oh, uh, fights you on it, yeah, yeah, or fights you on it. I think. And th- this is the problem I had. If you make a call that actively goes against the rules of like the, the, the rules as written in D&D. Right. Like you, I made a mistake. Yeah. Or no, the, the, the example I'm giving. No, he did not oh. make a mistake. He actively made a call. Uh, uh, he instantly made a call. Right. That went against the rules as written in D&D. And okay. then when I tried to explain to him, but that's that's but that's not. Like I've kind of built my character around sneak attack, and your this call severely nerfs sneak attack. As a matter of fact, if you look in the rule book, and then he cut me off, and said that that's not those rules aren't what matter. Mine do. Uh, so I think the issue with that is while I think it is totally fine for DMs to home rule different mechanics, like whether or not they decide flanking is allowed. Right. I know DMs who do allow flanking, but instead of granting advantage, they do a plus two bonus to hit because they feel like their advantage is given by so many things. It's kind of trivialized. That's fine. If that is a core mechanic of your player, of your character, you need to have that conversation and uh, because like that's kind of bullshit, you make a character with that mechanic in mind and suddenly it's not allowed to work. But that is also why when I have players that have an idea, a class idea that works around a specific mechanic, yeah. I have them talked to me about it first. Hey, I have an idea for this build. I want to use the polar mastery feat. This is the like, I hate it when players try to aha me or surprise right. me with a move. Like, no, 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 no. Tell me exactly what you're trying to do. I'm not yeah. going to take that away from you. I'll let you totally immerse yourself in this little wham wombo combo that right. you've got planned. But I need to know about it because if it actually goes against a rule that I have, like if there's a miscommunication, it's going to be awkward. And then if I don't allow it, you're going to be furious. Yep. But that's exactly what was missing from this particular interaction is that there was it, 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 it was an on the spot call. Mm hmm. My character. What? Do you remember what it was? I'm kind of curious now. Uh, it was so up until now, uh, it, up until this point, he had we, we flanking was in game, right? And he had allowed. Uh, so I was playing a. Uh, I was playing it. Wow, I can't speak English anymore. A arcane trickster rogue. Okay. Okay. So up until this point, he had allowed my uh, familiar as opposed to taking the aid action to give me advantage to actually flank as a, as, as an opposition, which in terms of action economy really doesn't make that big of a difference. But suddenly he decided that I couldn't trigger, uh, that I couldn't trigger a sneak attack with my familiar at all. So not even with taking the aid action, because aid action would give you advantage, which would right. trigger sneak attack. 
but all of a sudden he just decided, no, you can't trigger sneak attack with your familiar. Did that's so? And it was like as you like had already played this. Oh, yeah, this was we were close to the end of the uh, of the campaign at this point. This was only a few. This is the same DM that had that boss fight issue where he power word killed me. Um, what a weird. Yeah. It was, again, we had already sessions and sessions in, uh, and then suddenly, like, while I was we were in the middle of combat, he's like, yeah, no, I'm changing the balance so that you can't trigger sneak attack with your familiar. And I'm like, that's, like, literally what my whole character is based on. Yeah. That's how he triggers sneak attack. I really hate taking things away from players. Like, if I've allowed something and I find out later down the line that I've been doing it wrong... I'll either let them keep it or if it's super game breaking or super wrong, like I was just wrong, I will wait until in between sessions and I'll pull them aside and be like, yo, (laughs) so this happened (laughs) in session. And when I tried to cite the fucking player's handbook, he was just like, that book doesn't matter. Oh, that is so. And look, I get, yeah, super cringy. And I get that, you know, at the end of the day, I'm the DM and my call is is what matters. It's a, it's the DM's table. But yeah. if you sit your players down to play a game system and you expect them to be good players and be prepared to play that game system, they're going to build their characters to the rules that are in that book. And if you're going to change those rules, you have to let them know. It also kind of like I'm I'm a big believer in like pick your battles and mm-hmm. even if he was right that seems like a really silly thing to get picky about like sneak attack is great for you but it's not going to ruin his encounter so mm-hmm. just let you let you have it especially no, since agree. my player was the squishiest one in the party cuz he forced yeah, us to roll HP like on it like if, if you knew that ahead of time that you couldn't you know use your familiar then you would literally just coordinate with the other players mm-hmm. like it would be such an easy way to just for you to uh, like uh compensate for that that to spring it on you mid turn just seems like rude um it's funny cuz that TikTok I wasn't even thinking about rules mm. I was more thinking about like the NPC does something, some actions happen and the like, like someone fails, like Nat one's their uh, self check because they were trying to pick the pocket of someone who they're not supposed to be picking pocket. But I'm like, okay, fine. Pick their pocket. And they do it. And they net fell. Well, he, he catches you and he's calling the guards over. Now you're going to go to jail. Well, no, that shouldn't happen. Not what Lynn. I'm like, Hey, oh, shut up. Yeah, you no. made that decision. You're playing with fire. You roll bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was more along the lines of player, like fuck around, find out. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yes. And not accepting the consequences. Because I do have consequences. And I have a few players who are new to D&D and don't realize that if you openly talk about trying to eat the denizens of the town, <laughs> you're not going to be very friendly towards you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's. <laughs> we have a very hungry dragonborn that thinks everything is food. <laughs> love oh that's kind of cool that. though, actually <laughs> yeah but 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 see that's something else too and as a player i appreciate a dm who enforces consequences because if i can run around and do whatever the fuck i want and not face any consequences the game again becomes less fun 
it's actually a really great way. It's not railroading, but it keeps players on track because you're creating an environment where, you know, I, I would like them to do A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. X, Y, Z, what the, the crap that they could go off and do would have hard consequences. Like, right. like yep. this is what the NPCs are asking you to do, or this is what the environment has created for you. Right. Uh, you could do whatever you want, but I, I have a good idea of how you're going to get out of this. They try to do something really ridiculous, like my uh, when Demogorgon appeared out of the water and rose up, and everyone was like, <gasps> and it was pretty apparent that they should run, get on their boat, mm. and, and uh-huh. fuck off. Our bard decided to stop, cast message, and flirt with Demogorgon. Hit Jeez, on. Jeez, bard. He, oh. um, basically, I said, You're doing that. You're opening, you are opening a psychic link. A psychic communication with Demogorgon. Let, are you? Is this what you are telling me? I to need the you prince to confirm of demons. this. He goes, "Yeah, that's what I'm doing." I go, "Okay, I need you to make a con save or a charisma save. I think it was or a wisdom save." Uh, basically, I had to pull out Demogorgon's stat block. I was not expecting them to engage him. I had to pull mm-hmm. out his stat block. I'm like, "Okay, well, you looked him in the eyes, so you are now under the effects of his." gaze legendary action i need you to uh roll a save oh yeah you failed because it's a 25 dc all right you're mind controlled he is now commanding you to walk towards him oh by the way he's in the middle of the dark lake and you're a dwarf and you can't swim uh and i need you to roll on the uh long-term madness table yep (laughs) didn't you also have a player death recently I have had player deaths, but not recently. I think it was just a video came up on my TikTok recently. That was the first time I've ever DM'd that video on my TikTok. That was my first oh, roll okay. as a DM. That was the first dice roll I made as a as a dungeon master. Did I won. Kill the player. My, I killed a player in my first roll. It was a crit. He was a mage. He was a wizard. The mimic uh, did twenty points of damage. <laughs> he had eight hit points, and I dealt twenty. It was. It was. I. I felt so guilty. Amazing! I, I love the player the- walked away from the table for like twenty minutes, and I was like fighting tears because I was like, "He's never gonna play D and with me ever again." Oh no! <laughs> That's heartbreaking. <laughs> now that player that tried to flirt with Demogorgon and got all those consequences, yep. this is the second player in my campaign. His first player died on his first encounter. Oh. Because he tried to solo a bunch. He was a barbarian and he was off like getting flanked and just standing there like, ah, I have one hit point, but I don't care. Wow. I'm, I, he, he oh, looks I was like the type that, that wants great. to learn by the school of hard knocks is, is what I'm. Is, you know, he's an amazing yeah. D&D player too. He, he's <laughs> a dungeon master. He, he plays really crazy characters and he plays, this is what my character would do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he knows. He actually, I DM'd him. I'm like, I'm so sorry I killed your character. This is like, you didn't even have a chance to introduce yourself to the party because he was kind of a latecomer. And yeah. he said, honestly, this was amazing because now <laughs> this sets the tone for the rest of the campaign. Perfect. Everybody now knows that they could die. Yeah. And oh, out of the abyss is, it's rough. <sighs> it can be rough. And I, oh, so uh, I traumatize the hell out of my players uh, with the silken path. I can't wait to do that one. How did you do? Wait, I don't know if you should spoil it or not. It's fine at this point. Uh, So I'm obsessed with spiders. Okay. Uh, I love spiders. So I turn uh, I turn the silken path from this mini encounter 
to it took four days to get out of the Silken Path. Uh, one player died. Was a, a, several NPCs died. Uh, and they ended up meeting the Spider Queen, which is a character I made completely up from scratch. Okay, who... so not the Queen of Spiders. No, 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 <laughs> not the not not the Queen of Spiders, but a monster. Loth was there. Not Loth, <laughs> but she was more. So my my Spider Queen was like a creature who was a rich because you know all loss uh, all spiders in the Underdark are basically uh, they belong con- to Loth. Yeah, they connect. They they but. She had become so powerful that she had broken free of Lolth's uh, cool. of wow. Lolth's influence, and sh- so the spiders in the Silken Path were hers. Oh, that's cool! But but she had no influence outside the Silken Path. So, in exchange for letting the players go, leave alive. She had to give one of the players, uh, she, one of the players had to be her vessel so that she could see what was happening outside of the Silken Path. So she laid an egg in one of the players. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. I love it. What? Yeah. And we, we unfortunately never got to the point where that egg could hatch, but I had plans, man. Uh, but yeah, I had, I, I had added something like, First off, I had them roll on a random generated table for what each day through the Silken Path would be like. And I had added like 14 homebrew spider monsters to the Silken Path. Sweet. Uh, and when you get to the Silken Path, there's two NPCs you're going to meet that they're like the guy. They're uh, two little goblins. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Okay. I'm not going to name them because, again, yeah. my players haven't been there yet. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can do so much with them. And uh, yeah. And it that they yeah they those two characters in particular became imperative to what uh the the emotions that my players ended up feeling. I am hearing all the stories you guys are telling me, and it's it just like I really got to try to actually run a module one of these days. The 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 official modules are actually pretty dope. Out yeah, of the abyss think- is super fun for like a cut. Out of the abyss and curse of Strahd are both great for like a cutthroat module to like really put your players through the paces. It one of the most fun modules in my opinion, especially for players who want something a little different than your typical like fantasy out in the mountains and the forest, run them through Waterdeep Dragon Heist. It's mostly an urban campaign setting. So like your rogues and shit are perfectly at home because they have plenty of doors and shit to break into. It's great. Uh that's cool. But we are getting to the point where we do need to start wrapping up. So I want to go over our bullet points here. What do you if if you could cut if you could have Scarlet, if you could have three bullet points on what makes a good DM, what do you think that would be? Um flexibility, being able to, you know, um to adjust your adventure as your players get a little crazy. Yeah. Um the polar opposite of that firmness, you know, be willing to put your foot down, <laughs> mm-hmm. not in a mean way, but you do need to keep things under control. Um, d- those are two bullet points. So I guess, huh? The third one, I guess just a good DM wants your, their players to have fun and they want to give them an appropriate challenge that is fun and exciting without, being punishing to where no one's having fun and so finding the balance 
if your players don't like it super hard and tough and you notice that they're just exhausted and flustered and anxious after your encounters, dial it back. If your players are just hungry for more, knock it up a notch and check in with them. Ask them, how did you feel about that campaign? I ask my players every session, how did you feel about that campaign? How did you, or not that campaign, that encounter? How did you feel about it? What was your favorite part? What was your least favorite part? And then I take that feedback and I apply it to the next one. Yeah, communication. Yeah, communication. Well, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Chris. What are your three bullet points if you would? Oh, uh, started well, with communication. I, so I guess communication. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I I don't think I can add anything to that because those are all really good points. Communication yeah. of flexibility, um, a good grasp uh, of the rules. It doesn't have to be perfect. Uh, I've been one of those DMs that's always been blessed to have a rule lawyer at my table. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, I, I don't I, I gotta say I've heard some of your guys stuff and I'm like I've had some bad experiences but I haven't had a lot of the experiences you guys had knock on wood um but um <laughs> uh, I I've just I've been very very blessed with the the groups that I've had so yeah um the communication flexibility and and sternness I think are really good points again uh what what Scarlett what you said is is the number one like a good DM wants their players to have fun uh and i think that's beyond important and i'm not to beat a dead horse but i can't i cannot stress communication enough it really is like it's so in any relationship communication is so important and that is just as true uh between in your dm and players and like i said be prepared for the responsibility of being a dm not, you know, I'm not saying no one's expecting you to be Brennan Lee Mulligan or Matt Mercer or, you know, people who have thousands of dollars of production behind them. No, that's not what I mean. I mean, be prepared for the responsibility of your player's time and returning the investment. Expect a relationship reciprocity. Exactly. You can't expect them to care about your campaign if you don't care about them. Yes, Exactly. And with that, freaks, we would love to hear what you guys think makes a good DM and share some of your favorite stories, you know, when uh, when a DM was either really, really bad or really, really good. And you can do that by reaching out to us on Twitter uh, at F-A-N-F-R-E-E-K-S. You can find me on Twitter at Dr. That's D-R, Rude, M-D. You can find Chris here. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitch at twitch.tv slash crows of the dam. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter uh, at crows damned and Scarlet. Tell the people where they can find you. You can find me on Twitch Scarlet 64. I run out of the abyss every Sunday at five Pacific time. Uh, I post those episodes to my YouTube channel, the Scarlet DM I'm also on TikTok, Scarlet64, Instagram, Scarlet64, and Twitter, Scarlet64. Fantastic. And we're going to go ahead and get into some of our shout outs. First and foremost, I'd like to shout out our Hunt Boys, Scott, Jeff, uh, Justin. Thank you guys so much for listening. You guys are fantastic. Uh, My sister, Cheyenne, they're an incredible person, and I love their feedback. The freaks on the Facebook group, you guys are great. Uh, We're going to go ahead and also uh, reach out to uh, say, uh, uh, Jesus Valentine, go fuck yourself. Uh, and before we get over to you, Crows, I'm going to go ahead and take over for uh, Bone King here and get to some of his boners. Uh, I'd like to yeah, give buddy. a shout out to Von Condersmite, Beefy Sumo, Squinty, Screechy Kai, Julian the Tsar, uh, Megan Peepo, 
uh, Lindsay Misleading, Izumi Shenmaru, CJ the DJ, Boogle, Burnsy. If I'm missing anyone, I'm sorry. There's too many of you guys. Who they you are get? Legion. <laughs> they are Legion. Crows, do you, you want to shout out anybody? Uh, yeah, I just want to say, you know, hey to my my uh, Twitch D&D group, uh, Dr. Snugglebutts, the Grizzly Poet, uh, Sinful Sire, uh, and Crystal. Uh, you guys are are awesome. I, I'm very blessed to have you guys at my at my table. Um, I also will shout out my IRL group. Um, I just use their social media names. So caveman, um, uh, smite, um, and Ashley, some of them aren't as inventive with their names, but Hey, uh, and of course, uh, my, my number one fan, um, I, I did, I did this last time. I'm doing it again. Hardcore Coco, my wife, my life partner. I love you so much. Thank you. So cute. Uh, Scarlett, do you have anyone you'd like to shout out? Yeah, I'm I'm looking for uh, a list of all my D&D players so I could shout them all out. <laughs> There's so many of them. I don't want to accidentally not shout out everybody. Um, but I'd like to shout out Elephane, Gnome Ann, Poof the Magician, JTC Live, Kurutsu, Pradix Gamer AU, Adrian Jiggs, and Buff Levin. They are the best players any DM could ever ask for. And I guess I'd like to shout out my hubby, Stevo. <laughs> yes, is his great Stevo uh, for being the best, and my little baby Leo, Leonidas. Oh, yes, congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. And with that, freaks, once again, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Later, freaks. Later, freaks. We love you. Later.